we here at Rocky Mountain Red-Handed want to share a stress warning with you. Our cases and stories involve mental illness, sexual assault, suicide, gun violence, and emotional trauma. Please listen with care. If you or someone you know is suffering in the U.S., please reach out to 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Hey! Hey everyone, Mel and Beck here. We just wanted to drop in and remind you to follow us on our social medias. So our Instagram and our Facebook are Rocky Mountain Red Handed, and our Twitter is RMRH Podcast. Yeah, so go and check out our social medias. We always post great pics that have to do with our uh, cases, case notes, anything that we find interesting, we share with you guys. Also, Mel, what's that email address? Our email is RockyMountainRedHanded at gmail.com. Yeah, send us in your case recommendations. We want to know about local cases in your community and how they have affected your towns. So hit us up. Let us know of, of the cases you want to hear in the Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains hold many mysteries. Millions of people enjoy the natural beauty but some come across the hidden dangers. This is Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. I'm Melanie, here with my dear friend, Becky. The stories we share are remembered by some, but forgotten by many. Let's dive in to Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. Hi, Becky. How are you doing today? Hey, Mel. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here today. I am absolutely freezing. We're getting into the cold weather. We are. And Becky came in to record and grabbed a blanket. And she's all cozied up. <laughs> I am so cold. I am not a winter girl at all. Yeah, I'm not either. It's definitely getting cold. Yeah, a lot of our Rocky Mountain area around here is getting the cold, getting the snow. And uh, yes, yeah, stick me in the desert. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we get started on our case today, I want to remind everybody to go follow us on our social medias. Instagram and Facebook are Rocky Mountain Red Handed, and our Twitter is RMRH Podcast. Also, we love getting case recommendations from all of you, so if you have any case recommendations for us, please email us at RockyMountainRedHanded at gmail.com, and we will try and get to all of those cases for you guys. Yeah, say hello to us and say, tell us where you're at. We want to see where everyone's listening from, and We'll just have our own little community going on. Yep. Okay, let's jump into it, Becky. Well, Mel, I do dumb stuff. I do really dumb stuff. Mel's silently laughing at me right now. Yes, I am. So, I, yeah, I'm 42, and I still do really, really dumb stuff. But when I was younger, um, I didn't think a lot. What did, some, what, did you ever do anything like really, really dumb? As I was thinking about this, I remember one time we were living on a pretty busy street growing up and I had driven home from work, parked my car like on a busy road. I I was, I was either 16 or 17 and I parked my car, went inside, whatever, slept all night. The next morning we were cleaning out um, our garage and I could hear weird noises coming from my car and I was like, what is going on? (sighs) I had left my car on and running all night and had used my entire tank of gas. (laughs) 
And it was 16 17 That's a huge deal. Yes. Luckily, gas was not as expensive yeah. as it is now, but no one stole my car. Just sat there and ran all just, night long. Just idled, waiting for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When you said weird noises, I was like, okay, is there like a family of raccoons? that's like living in your car now, but no, luckily it was just the engine idling. No, but sometime I'll tell everybody my raccoon story, but that, that? that's not my raccoon story. Oh, I do know that <laughs> raccoon story. It's a great story. So yeah, I, I did something really stupid. Looking back, this is probably the dumbest thing I ever did. I learned to drive, spent my high school years in the desert. So I had always had great weather. When it was time to go to school for college, um, I moved up to the Wasatch Front in Utah. And all of a sudden I found myself having to drive in the snow and it scared me to death. I could not drive in the snow. I don't get the concept of if you turn the wheel in the opposite direction that you want to go. Like it doesn't, it still doesn't make any sense to me. I was so scared of it that the mornings I would wake up, look out the window and see snow I would get ready, go out to the sidewalk, and my apartment was on a pretty busy street, and I would just stick my thumb out. I would just hitchhike, and I'll tell you, it didn't take long. It'd take like 30 seconds. That is so scary. Did your mom know you were doing that? <laughs> no, That's course. terrifying. Yeah, it'd take about 30 seconds, and then I'd have a cute boy of co-ed pull up in his car and just give me a ride to where I needed to go. And somehow you're still alive and with us today. Yes, I, I and mean, I will tell you, all of the guys, and I, I'm talking multiple occasions here, all the guys were really, really great, super respectful. I did get a couple dates out of I was going to ask, yeah. did you date any of them? <laughs> Not seriously. But... Yeah, I'm I'm alive, I'm breathing, but um, and it just dawned on me that my daughter's gonna hear this. <laughs> but so I'm not endorsing hitchhiking in any way. Don't ever do this. Don't hitchhike. But you know, back in the late 90s, it was a way for me to avoid driving in the snow. So in that case, I put myself in so much danger for absolutely no reason at all. You know, sometimes we do find ourselves in a desperate situation somewhere that we would never intentionally put ourselves. And that's what happened to our victim today. Our beautiful victim today found herself in a compromised situation she couldn't get out of. Her name is Michelle Mitchell. So let's set the, let's set the scene here. It's 1976. Elton John, Melanie, you know, I'm a huge Elton John fan. How many times did you go to his last tour? I saw him on his final tour. Uh, I gotta think, three times. That's what I thought. Three okay. times. Yes. Yep. And flew across the country to see him. I love Elton John. Anyway, Elton John and Kiki D were at the top of the charts with "Don't Go Breaking My Heart." Everyone knows that song. It's a great song. Um, Martin Scorsese's "Taxi Driver" and Sylvester Stallone's "Rocky" were filling the movie theaters. And do you remember the Kool-Aid commercials where the Kool-Aid man, the pitcher, would, like, break through a wall? I do. Those played for a long time because I was not time. alive in 1976, but yeah. those played for a long mm -hmm. time. It was the most popular commercial, and that was kind of, like, the big fad at the time of the, oh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. That was really good, huh? <laughs> um, that was everywhere. So this is the scene. 1976. At this time, a 19-year-old nursing student at the University of Nevada Reno had a bright future. Diana Barbara Michelle Mitchell, who went by Michelle, and that's what we'll call her for the rest of the episode, was enjoying her college years. 
loving nursing school and hanging out with her friends and family. On February 24th, 1976, Michelle was doing her nightly routine of taking care of her father. You see, her dad, Edwin, was having some health problems, you know, nothing too serious, nothing urgent. Uh, Michelle's favorite patient was her father, and she loved taking care of him and helping him manage his medications and diets. Edwin had just been diagnosed with diabetes and was still learning how to keep his blood sugars, you know, in the safe zone. Michelle was driving her Volkswagen Beetle from the University of Nevada, Reno campus over to Sterling Village Bowling Lanes at Valley Road and Denslow Drive. Her father needed his orange juice, which he used as a quick fix for his blood sugar. So Michelle was delivering it to him as she always did. So with my pregnancies, I had gestational diabetes and it is miserable. Mel, have you ever had? I have not had gestational diabetes, luckily. It takes over your life. It is so time consuming. So I just think that really speaks to her as a daughter that she would take the time to to take care of her dad, to put that first in her life. I agree. So on the way, Michelle's car sputtered to a stop. Her car broke down on the side of the road right by the Agriculture College at 9th Street and Evans Avenue. I'm sure I can just see her sitting in that car and trying to turn that engine over again and again and again with no luck. It was a pretty busy street in Reno, so many people saw her little beetle break down. Later, witnesses said that they even saw someone help her push her car into a parking lot right across from the agriculture buildings of the University of Nevada, Reno. After pushing her car to a safe area where it was not blocking traffic, nothing like that, Michelle made her way to a phone booth asking for a ride from her mom, Barbara. Of course, her mom agreed and left home right away to go and meet Michelle at her broken down car. When mom, Barbara, arrived just about, you know, 30 minutes later, not a long time, Michelle was nowhere to be seen. Her beetle sat alone in a dark parking lot. The temperature was dropping fast. Where would Michelle have taken off to? She wouldn't leave her mom to wait in this cold winter weather. She had just called her 30 minutes ago. She wouldn't have just left. Plus, things didn't seem right. The car door was open just a little bit, open to the cold and the elements. Michelle's keys were even left in the ignition, and her purse sat on the passenger seat. The reason for her errand, which was to bring her dad's orange juice, sat unopened in her car. This was not like Michelle. Yeah, leaving the keys, the purse, the car door open. It's very suspicious. Yeah, not getting good vibes off of that. So Michelle's parents were scared. Michelle would not do that. Leave her mom hanging, leave her dad in a dangerous blood sugar situation. Something was definitely wrong. They waited into the night, expecting to have Michelle burst in with the explanation of her vanishing act. Just working out. I'm sure they were working out every single reasonable and unreasonable scenario they could think of, of where Michelle might be. By the next morning, Michelle still hadn't turned up. Edwin and Barbara met with the police at the abandoned Beetle, and the police went right to work. They even called in a sniffing dog, which we love those furry little heroes. We do love those sniffing dogs. Yes. The dog picked up on Michelle's scent at the phone booth, but then lost it. It was like she had vanished. No luck. Nothing. She was just gone. Gosh, and those dogs can always get results. 
Not too far away from the investigation for Michelle, 911 dispatch received a call from 333 East and 9th Street. An older couple had made their way home from an evening out. As they opened their garage door, they found a woman's body in a pool of blood. It was Michelle. Sadly, shockingly, Michelle's hands were bound behind her neck and her throat had been slashed. One single wound had drained the life out of this beautiful 19-year-old. Investigators could tell that Michelle had been alive and left by her killer to die. The blood pool around her had uh, had been disturbed, smeared and smudged on the garage floor by a woman trying to live. They could tell by her blood that she was trying to survive. I'm sure she was trying to get out of her her bound her her restraints. Restraints, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three pieces of evidence were recovered. A single cigarette butt was found nearby, a shoe print on a dirt floor, which was a men's size nine to nine and a half, and the rope that was used to bind Michelle. And these days we can do more testing on things like the cigarette butts, but back in 1976, they weren't able to do much with it, but just keep it. So at this point, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back with more from our story. Rocky Mountain Red Handed is brought to you by Balance of Nature. I love my Balance of Nature. I take it every morning and it makes me feel so good. I do not like to eat vegetables, so I take my Balance of Nature to be able to get in the nutrients that I need. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code REDHANDED for 35% off your first order. We call it three and three. I take my three capsules of veggies, three capsules of fruits, and it gives me all I need. So that's Balance of Nature, promo code REDHANDED. So to get back to our story, police asked for the public's health. Tips poured in from this scared community. I mean, we have to think Reno is not that big of a town now. Back then it was just about 125, 130,000. Have you been to the Reno area? I have not ever been to Reno. I've been to Tahoe. It's a good time out there. Yeah. In fact, among all the tips, several identical tips came in. A man was seen running away from the neighborhood of the garage where Michelle was found. One tipster even reported to have seen, this is crazy, blood splattered across the mystery man. The witness almost hit him with her car as he was dashing into the road. Reportedly, he was acting as if he was hiding one of his hands under his jacket, which is a really awkward, I mean, kind of imagine that stance. That's a weird position. And it, I mean, this seems like it would be a huge tip for them. Like this is a jackpot. Right by the garage for sure. Yeah. So they were thinking the same thing. That's probably a really great tip, especially with several different people reporting this same man running, but the case didn't move forward. Um, No other leads came in. There was no further trace of this mystery man. We don't have a lot of information on what police did in, in looking into him, but no There was no other talk about him at all. Um, Michelle's case had gone cold. Three long years later, the Reno police heard a ripple from very far away. The Louisiana State University Medical Center, specifically the mental institution. A woman um, that was there named Kathy Woods had just tied herself to Michelle Mitchell's case forever. Kathy was born in 1950 and had spent her life bouncing from one mental hospital to another. She was reported to be suffering from schizophrenia. 
So schizophrenia manifests itself in so many ways and on such a broad spectrum. Um, some of the symptoms are, you know, silliness, quick to anger, lack of focus, you know, they can't complete a task, disorganized communication, which they can't quite complete a vocal thought. You know, worst of all, um, there's cases of delusion and hallucinations, seeing or hearing things that don't exist and or strong beliefs in things and people who don't exist. Again, the spectrum is so broad, but you know that's just a quick overview of some of the symptoms. Um, Mel, have you seen the movie A Beautiful Mind? Yes, I have. Such it's a, good, a good, movie. good movie. Yeah, John Nash, who Russell Crowe plays, suffers from schizophrenia. That can kind of give you an idea. But also, you can lead a very you know normal life. Mary Todd Lincoln was schizophrenic. So schizophrenics are not inherently dangerous. They can live in a somewhat normal life, a quite normal life, you know, but without treatment, obviously they can. It does hamper, it does hamper their life. In fact, statistically, schizophrenics have a higher, a much higher rate of being a victim in a situation rather than the the attacker or the aggressor. So it it does it does very much complicate life relationships, that type of thing. But with help of medication, it is manageable. Kathy was working with a counselor at the Louisiana State University Medical Center. Kathy told the counselor, Carol Sherman, all about Michelle's death and said that she was responsible for the murder. Obviously, Carol was shocked by this and she immediately called the Shreveport, Louisiana Police Department. The police looked into the tip further and discovered that Kathy Woods did in fact live in Reno in February of 1976, so they took this very seriously. The detectives from Shreveport and Reno interrogated Kathy while she was on a psych hold at Louisiana State University Medical Center, and Kathy gave them the story full of details in March of 1978. Okay, so... Kathy Woods told police that she saw Michelle struggling with her broken down beetle back in February 1976. She said that she stopped and asked Michelle if she could use some help. Michelle accepted Kathy's kindness and Kathy took her back to the garage. Um, that's the garage where Kathy was later found murdered. She said she needed to go to the garage to grab some tools to fix the beetle. While at the garage, Kathy proposed in no uncertain terms that they should have sex. Michelle allegedly refused, and Kathy was not happy at all about being rebuffed. Kathy reported that she became so angry that she slit Michelle's throat. Now, it's important to note that after making this statement of confession, Kathy refused to sign or initial the written statement, like at all, would not acknowledge it. The state of Nevada uh, moved forward and charged Kathy with Michelle's murder. Kathy's confession, given at the mental hospital in Louisiana, was enough for the jury to convict Kathy. On December 11, 1980, Kathy was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. There was no physical evidence linking Kathy to the murder. There were no other witnesses there was nothing. It was based on this confession. It was an unsigned statement 
from a woman at the time who was mentally unstable. That's what they used to convict her. Kathy claimed to be innocent and stood by it for decades. She lived her life behind the bars of a prison. Um, she did have a small glimmer of hope back in 1985 when she was quickly retried, but you now she was resentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole again. So at this point, they felt like the killer was caught and Reno sighed a sigh of relief. It sounds like the end of our story, but it's not. It's not. Well, in 2013, something changed for Kathy. With the help of her fellow inmates, her friends she had made in prison, Kathy had a big glimmer of hope. Her fellow inmates wrote a letter to Rocky Mountain Innocence Project. Melanie, that sounds like our type of people. It does. Yeah. We should get in touch with yeah. them. Requesting a DNA test to be done on the cigarette butt found at the scene of Michelle's murder. So lucky that we have DNA tests now. That has really changed how we are able to try people and convict people of different crimes. Well, and also, I mean, the crime happened in 1976. This is in 2013. Shout out to the officer that grabbed the cigarette butt. And then I'm so glad that it they kept it. Yeah, that it was of, preserved for that long. We hear stories of evidence being thrown away. So, yeah. The DNA came back that fall in 2013 and it had no trace of Kathy, Kathy Wood's profile on the evidence. Instead, they found a male DNA profile. The profile was sent into CODIS, which if you don't know, that's the FBI's national database. And they had a hit. And this was a big hit. In July 2014, the mystery smoker had a name. His name was Rodney Halbauer. This name, and if you check our socials, you'll see a super scary, ugly face. Like, he really is creepy. His name may sound familiar. Halbauer is the prime suspect in the notorious Gypsy Hill killings out of California. Have you heard of those? I have. Yeah. And they actually even think possibly in Reno. They may have had some victims there. Halbauer was born in Wisconsin and grew up in Michigan. He was a troubled child with lots of problems in school. Um, he was a bully, that type of thing. He was kicked out of school and sent off to an institution for juveniles before he had a chance to graduate high school. Halbauer was arrested, sent to jail, released, sent back to jail. It was kind of like this revolving door of all these convictions throughout the 60s and the early 70s. This included a couple of escapes from county prison as well. He was a busy boy back then. In 1975, he was paroled and Halbauer left Michigan for Nevada. In December, he attacked a young girl, beating and raping her. Halbauer was arrested but released on bail. Let's just sit on that for a second. Released on bail. He kind of fell off the radar until the spring of 1976. Do you notice the gap there? Yeah. On where, where they had tabs on him, Michelle was killed February 24th, 1976. In May, his trial began for the crime against the girl. Hal Bauer was found guilty and received a life sentence in Nevada. Melanie, let's take a break. Rocky Mountain Red Handed is brought to you by Balance of Nature. 
I love my balance of nature. I take it every morning and it makes me feel so good. I do not like to eat vegetables, so I take my balance of nature to be able to get in the nutrients that I need. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code REDHANDED for 35% off your first order. We call it three and three. I take my three capsules of veggies, three capsules of fruits, and it gives me all I need. So that's balance of nature, promo code REDHANDED. Welcome back from our break. So we were talking about Halbauer and all of his crimes. He was about to go into trial for the rape of this girl. Um, he had many victims, crimes, murders, escapes, a lot of terrible stuff that this guy did. We don't really want to get into all of that because we do want to focus on our victim in this, who is Michelle Mitchell. So if you are interested in this disgusting... <laughs> gross yeah. man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Google away um, and you can find lots of information. But for now, let's get back to Michelle's case. Michelle's, Michelle's our focus. She's the important one in this. The cigarette butt found at Michelle's crime scene was tested and found to have Halbauer's saliva on it. This piece of evidence completely exonerated Kathy Woods. That is a long time to sit in jail. A very long time. We also want to mention a few details left out of Kathy's confession, and these are just a few highlights. Um, Kathy claimed to work for the FBI when she was giving her confession. Mm -hmm. She claimed that her mother was poisoning her throughout her life. Kathy had monsters constantly attacking and trying to kill her, and she also had no idea what type of weapon was used against Michelle. So this kind of gives an idea of what her state of mind was at the time she gave the confession and how much information she was actually able to give. Yeah, we have delusions. We have some hysteria in there. And then not to mention just the simple fact that she didn't know the weapon. I mean, that's kind of important information that it seems like may have been left out. Definitely. On September 11th, 2014, Kathy was released from prison on bond. And just a few months later, the district attorney's office officially dismissed all charges against Kathy Woods. Kathy now lives with family in Washington state. She is the longest ever wrongfully incarcerated woman in the history of the United States. A few months after her release, Kathy filed federal civil rights lawsuits against the cities of Shreveport, Louisiana. Remember that was the mental hospital mm -hmm. where she first told her counselor about involvement in Michelle's murder, Reno, Nevada, Washoe County, Nevada, and several retired detectives. I, with all that said, I do want to say, I think the counselor did the right thing. I agree. If somebody comes to you and says they murdered somebody, I think she responded appropriately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kathy sued on the legal grounds of being coerced into making a false confession while under psychiatric care in Louisiana, allegedly violation, I'm sorry, alleging violations of her Fourth Amendment, which is unreasonable search and seizure, Fifth Amendment, incriminating oneself, you know, I plead the Fifth, we've all heard that, and the Fourteenth Amendment, which is equal protection, um, rights by those who have been put in jail. Kathy Woods has since been awarded around $9 million in total damages. Rodney Halbauer is expecting extradition from California, where he is currently in prison serving two life sentences. So luckily he is off the street mm -hmm. forever. Um, he is 
expecting extradition from California to Nevada, where he is due to stand trial for the murder of Michelle Mitchell. Michelle's headstone reads, Diana Barbara Michelle Mitchell, beloved daughter of Edwin and Barbara, loving sister of Martha, Carla, and Kathleen, December 29th, 1956 to February 24th, 1976, age 19 years, one month, and 26 days, cut down in the springtime of her life by a murderer's knife. That's just heartbreaking. Yeah, that's, it's so sad. And her parents, when they passed away, did not know who her real murder was in this, in the case. They died thinking that Kathy Woods. Yeah. When, you know, really in this story, we actually do kind of have two victims, Michelle and Kathy. Yeah, definitely. Her mental illness played into, obviously played into Kathy's false confession and she was a victim for a lot of years. I think that mental illness, you know, aren't we happy that mental illness is much more understood nowadays? Um, I think that the interrogation would have never happened. I don't think that it would have either been thrown out or never happened. Wouldn't you think, Mel? I would hope so. I would hope with where we're at as a society that they wouldn't have been able to use that in court or that at least the jury or the judge would have seen that it was shouldn't have been used or, or her attorney i mean I we, we didn't hear anything about her attorney yeah when you know uh like like we said like we said in our story earlier is she gave a confession in a mental institution diagnosed with schizophrenia like yeah untreated yeah. Well, and also the fact that that um, Rodney was out on bail for this terrible crime let him be able to commit this murder. So that's just terrible that he was out on bail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sad. So, well, um, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. And until next time, keep your hands clean. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank you for supporting Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. And please go follow us on our social medias. Um, We'd love to hear your comments and we want you to see all the pictures and the sources that we've posted. Our Instagram and our Facebook, again, are Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. And our Twitter is RMRH Podcast. And don't forget to email us. Yes. What's that email? Our email is RockyMountainRedHanded at gmail.com. Send us your case recommendations from your local community. Have a great day.